movie on the pod only because the rock was supposed to be in a john henry movie that was going to uh but people got upset because everyone's like john henry is like a black folk hero and you're a samoan man (laughs) (laughs) so but it was supposed to start then he came out and was like oh it turns out i'm not gonna play john henry i'm just producing it and and buff as hell and wasn't gonna play (laughs) john henry (laughs) and so but then after that controversy and uh and the netflix one came out with terry cruz um they revealed that it was supposed to start off like an eight movie uh folkiverse where it was going to be like all of these like american folk heroes in a shared universe which is wild because that terry cruz john henry movie is not something that like that is about because it's just about like a tall quiet dude in the ghetto whose dog dies <laughs> right right it, no and they and they sort of and apparently they sort of were like well i mean they just took it and and crushed the concept with that like they really did a great job and i'm like it can't that can't be what you had to like, land with the rock though <laughs> in, in the middle of the movie there is a like two minute like a, like a, like skate video montage that looks like just a commercial for the city of Compton. <laughs> I can't believe that the rock bulked up for nothing. <laughs> it's like somebody made a joke one time that like if you're ever watching Comedy Central, you're never more than like an hour and a half from a Futurama episode. He's never an hour and a half like he's never not an hour and a half from being in an action movie so he's always bulked oh man. he's <laughs> like at any given moment there's a queen latifah movie on tv right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. i feel like he's saying he agrees to a thing every day yeah it's wild something is green every day with him yeah yeah like i watched young rock and that's a hot piece of doo-doo <laughs> which um, it, <laughs> i thought it would be so awesome no, I uh, I was like, you know, if they go like everybody hates Chris versus a young Sheldon feel, it would be good. But it was definitely a young Sheldon feel. Yeah, well, I mean, they called it Young Rock. I know. I don't. So my here's my thing about that, right, is like and I know that he's also not. But The Rock is a real person, whereas Sheldon yeah, was yeah. never a real person. Yeah. <laughs> this is the definition of hubris. It's so good i love the idea <laughs> on paper so much and i haven't yeah. watched your grok uh but i assume that it's gonna just be that that young sheldon flavor <laughs> is he like, like eyeballing the tequila at the dinner table he, he's being interviewed by randall park who now hosts a political talk show and mm-hmm. it's about like uh the rock running for president and he's telling stories about his childhood yeah the framing device is like in the future the rock starting yeah. a pod that's the thing the rock is it's pod really a sci-fi America. movie about the rock starting a pod <laughs> <laughs> it's really speaking about of the pods rock starting a pod and being john henry <laughs> speaking of pods welcome everyone to development hell 
We are. Uh, let me actually. Uh, you know what I <laughs> fucked up is I didn't. Uh, no, 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 no. Take it. Take it. You're good. You're good. No, no. We're keeping that in. No, we we can't possibly. <laughs> Please Not after all the good John Henry banter. Right, speaking of podcasts, welcome to Development Hill. We are one of four podcasts created within, within the last year that chronicles the bumpy road that truly is the pass-fail industry known as entertainment. Movies, music, movies, games, television, movies, theater, and literature all have a story to tell. I'm Richard Humphrey, and I'm joined by Spike Kittrell and Kyle Anderson, and we go to hell so you don't have to. More like we go to Skull Island this week, baby, because we're talking we about go. King Kong. Take the chocolate! Just take the chocolate, you stupid kid! <laughs> that's, that's us with our intro to the listeners every week. Yeah. <laughs> take the chocolate! <laughs> oh, man. What uh, a, I, I'm so glad Skull we Island, did this. Guys. I fucking love being in Skull Island. Dude, I, uh, this... This movie is so good. Yeah. I really yeah. like this movie. I don't, is it's, that a hot take? Um, I think it's, it's so good is a hot take. Okay. Yeah, it's I, so it, good is a hot take because I think it's, I low-key think it's kind of perfect. It's like There's one of our best movies that's, that's way too long. In terms of I movies it, that are too long, it's one of the best ones of that. Like, oh, yeah. still needs a haircut, but it's perfect. Dude, there are parts of this movie when I'm like, I can't believe there is two hours more of this movie. <laughs> You're the producer in the beginning. This. Like, is the rest like this? <laughs> this could be two movies easily. I saw an article that was like, is good reviews what killed King Kong? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was like, it's too many that good the reviews what end. made people kill King Kong. Like, No, it was biplanes. <laughs> Yeah. Was it reviews? It was beauty. It was beauty. They literally tell you what killed King Kong. I will say, I will say, that part of the movie, I was almost out. When he said that, I was almost out. It's like, it's the thing you have to say. Killed the beast. You don't end a King Kong movie without that. It's just a bummer that Jack Black was given that responsibility. So I was going to talk about it later, but I'll tell you why Jack Black has that responsibility now. Uh, Fucking Faye Ray is the original uh, like woman from King Kong. Mm-hmm. And for weeks, uh, Peter Faye Jackson Reagan. was trying to convince Faye Reagan to... Imagine be- <laughs> Faye Ray? <laughs> it's uh, Faye Reaganomics. Uh- <laughs> Trickle down. <laughs> So, Fay Ray is like um, is old at this point, right? And Peter Jackson is like, "Please, I want you to be the one to say the last line of the movie. I want you to be the one that says Twas Beauty Killed the Beast.'" And she was like, "No, fuck you. This is dumb. I don't want to do this. I'm really old." <laughs> and it was like he met with well, her, like, oh, "That's not what I thought you'd say." <laughs> <laughs> And they kept going back and forth for a little bit. And like Naomi Watts met with her to sort of like get into character and stuff like that. And then on their last meeting, she hugs Peter Jackson and goes, never say never. And then two weeks later, she dies. So he rewrites the ending to have Jack Black say it. 
Yeah, he, she died. He was in a Best Buy when he got the call, and there was School of Rock yeah. on all the TVs. And he thought that guy could probably do this line really nice. He was just crying and listening to Tenacious D. What if? Um, well, that's the thing. Is like it sounds like this woman was only going to like emerge from the crowd and say that one line so like was his original idea someone else will play the director and then at the end of the movie jack black will emerge from the crowd and say this line no jack black was always going to be part of the was always part of the movie that was the one part they rewrote though uh okay so here's here's a question that i had watching i think i may have texted to you guys but i can't remember if i saved it for the pod or not do you think that peter jackson thinks he's jack black or does he think he's adrian brody i think he thinks he's marion c cooper and ernest b shudzak who are neither of the people you said but the original creators of king kong <laughs> fucking wrong kyle you don't know shit about peter jackson I, no, no uh, so my take my take on this movie um, is that it is kind of a movie about the wonders of movies, right? Like, yeah, but without that gross, like, Hugo masturbatory. Yeah, no, I, just, I, I think this movie yeah. has um, <clears throat> sort of a really genuine love of filmmaking that you wouldn't expect somebody who has just, like, gone through the the slog of adapting one of the biggest fictional works of all time, like to, <laughs> to still have for the craft. You know what I mean? Like you would expect a person who just made the Lord of the Rings to like, cause he did just make Lord of the Rings, right? Like yeah. this is kind of fresh off of that. Oh so, dude, this is a, he, uh, he started work in the middle of uh, post on return of the King for this, yeah. but uh, here, let me read That's you a so quote. Unhealthy. I'm going to read you a quote on uh, Peter Jackson you know, describing the first time he saw King Kong. And uh, it really will speak to what you just said, Kyle. Uh, I think I first saw the original Kong when I was nine and it had such a profound effect on me as a nine-year-old. It made me want to make films. It affected me in a way that I can remember today the night I saw it. The very next day, I got my parents' Super 8 movie camera and started to do stop-motion animation with a clay dinosaur or a clay brontosaurus. Actually, that I made uh, uh, when I started to do clay animation, and I've always wanted to remake Kong because it's my favorite film and it's a wonderful story. And I, just a film fan and a King Kong fan, just really wanted to see it with the technology that we have now. Obviously, I saw it in '76 being remade, and I've been trying to remake it for about ten years. I tried to do it before Lord of the Rings. I actually tried to make it when I was twelve on a Super 8, so it's a long ambition for me. That rips. That is so fucking yeah. cool. You know, is it what, what like this is um uh this episode isn't sort of development hell as I wanted to just say this is development heaven. Sure. This is sure. like uh, this is guys. Uh, what if uh, you were at the height of your power and they said, "Make the thing you've always wanted to make." It's just such a bummer that like, there's no way he wasn't exhausted doing this. It's a hundred percent. And it looks exhausting. Is, I know. Well, the other nine hours of stuff he had just made, like, I don't see. I don't understand. You know why you don't go back and. Be like, all right, let's start developing Kong. I want to direct like a 90 minute comedy in New Zealand or like, a, you know, go back and do like a quick horror movie. It's crazy that he didn't even that he stacked this on to finishing. It's insane. His other best movie of all time. It's, it's you know? absolutely absurd. And I uh, 
I wonder why, because he, he is kind of onto something when he says that Kong has a great story. And I was sort of thinking, because obviously this series is ramping up to uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, right? And like, why, why the King Kong adaptations seem to kind of do better um, narratively, at least, than Godzilla adaptations? And is it just because King Kong also has a setting, you know, like you have Skull Island, which is so badass and cool and interesting and magic and anything you want it to be. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> they uh, so King Kong is sort of objectively considered one of the first horror movies. Like uh, I don't ever like look at King Kong and think scary, you know, and then you get to the Skull Island shit and you're <laughs> fucking balls deep in hand. like weird Native American propaganda that scares you. Yeah, this <laughs> you is know, the scariest it's... movie we might ever cover with Kyle. Yeah. yeah uh, and don't like spook them. Spooky. <clears throat> uh, uh, so can I can I, can um, I, I think... really quickly talk about the scariness? Spike, yeah. Spike, uh, what, yes. what you were going to say there real quick. I wanted to speak to your the Godzilla versus Kong. Like, why are we connecting to it more? I think that there's also like a more scientific thing of when and when humans look at monkeys or apes they really there is a like man that thing is basically me almost me yeah you have that yeah feeling. and i think there's a scientific like evolutionary thing of like that's there's something so human about kong and especially when kong is always like like a thirsty little fuck boy mm -hmm. like for like one hot blonde actress and that's another thing where we're just like I fucking get it. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to go be alone with a pretty lady. Dude, so also... Zilla doesn't have a fucking waifu, bro. No. <laughs> so Kong is uh, Kong is actually cited as the inspiration for Godzilla and like where the idea of you can make big monster movies like kind of comes from. Because there was like other failed like claymation attempts. Was the pitch, um, it's King Kong meets... Hiroshima that happened last year. <laughs> We're gonna do it because <laughs> so, because uh, King Kong comes out in 1933, right? You know, like it's four years after Popeye <laughs> with Robin. OG Williams. Popeye. Uh, OG Popeye. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. So speaking to to King Kong being a scary movie, and the reason that honestly I didn't watch this movie like growing up, bugs. Um, I. No, I was uh, deathly afraid of King Kong um, in my childhood. Uh, de <laughs> and when I say deathly afraid, I mean, I remember being scared to go from my bedroom to my bathroom in my childhood home in fear of King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in your house. Like he's going to get me. <laughs> You're not even a tiny white woman. I know, I'm not his target demo at all. You're not his type at all, bro. So this You're fucking kid, this, fooling yourself. This all stemmed from me uh, as a as a young as a young whippy snappy uh, going to the uh, Universal Studios tour uh, in Los Angeles. Oh no! And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Back in the '90s, uh, it used to be the animatronic King Kong. Yeah. So I looked into it. I did a little mini development hell deep dive on that fucking ride. <laughs> and so that ride was uh, inspired by the 1976 or 78 King Kong movie, whatever that the one was. The 76 remake. And then because uh, they directly just remade the 33 one and then also remade Son of Kong, which is the 
which was a sequel. That, that's something. So, about, so yeah. this, so this one was. Is that about his this son? This one was called uh, Kong. Baby Kong. Kong the, the ride was called Kongfrontation, um, and it was uh, the largest and most detailed animatronic that had ever been built at that time, and it apparently like revolutionized animatronics in rides when it was built in like 1985 or something. Oh, imagine near that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, imagine near that. So, uh, but literally the tram like is taken and tilted like towards King Kong's like giant moving animatronic mouth. And there's like a fucking helicopter on fire and shit. And I've rewatched it extensively. I watched several videos of like people filming the ride from like the ride's perspective. As an Haunting. adult, I will say too much. They did. Well, it's, <laughs> they did too it, much. <laughs> it's also not there now. It's something else. Well, it's, no. So, uh, so, so, check this out. So, I did. I did research on it. In two thousand eight, there was a huge fire, huge backlot fire, at Universal. King Kong started. If you remember this? Uh, it, he did not start it. They, they think it was started on uh, by welders in one of the Desperate Housewives uh, set homes. Um, that anyway. You're saying. Twas welders killed the beast. <laughs> Twas welders killed the beast. Um, but yeah, I asked no, so uh, there Bruce was, Springsteen. He said he didn't start the fire. So there was a huge fire, and uh, it destroyed a bunch of shit. It also destroyed um, the the set uh, from Back to the Future. The like the city square, the Hill Valley. Yeah, the Hill Valley, like uh, town square. Um, but it. Uh, but but so after that, they were like, "Well, we have to remake it." Um, and so Peter Jackson was brought in to direct. This was obviously three or four years later. Um, he was brought in to direct like a sequence because he was also apparently a really big fan of that ride because he's a sicko, I guess. But um, he uh, so he was brought in. And now now it's <laughs> like a, now it, now it's sort of a um, a three three wraparound. Cyclo- yeah, it's like a cyclorama. And you're like essentially. Um, in like the Godzilla versus King Kong section of the movie um, where King Kong is fighting the T-Rexes and stuff. But it's not as good as it used to be, probably, because uh, before it's it was a, just like pure movie magic stuff, you know, but it's cool. I, I, yeah, I went two years ago and like uh, the gra- the glasses are scratched and the, like <laughs> yeah. the cameras are like the, the, the lenses are smudged because nobody cleans them. Right. Everything's a it's little, like, little uh, focused. Peter would be. Yeah, close. it's. It's it's yeah. bad, but yeah. it is just like uh, everything uh, like Peter Jackson will always come back to Kong because it is like his like one love. It's his like love. the biggest franchise. It's his love. That and the lovely. He wrote a comedy. He wrote a he wrote a he wrote a comedy for for Kong because he loves it so much. Isn't that clear? And Kong. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna do his punch drunk love with Kong. <laughs> yeah, it's in it's in the subtext, Kong. <laughs> Yeah. It's well, like Kong itself in, in like its grand scheme of like impact, you know, like in 91 was deemed uh, culturally and historically and aesthetically significant by the Library of uh, Congress and is uh, in of Congress of Congress. That's like what, yeah, Congress, bro. That's like the country's criterion collection. Yeah. And the National Film Registry, like it's there forever. Yeah. And like it's fascinating to me because no matter what they do to remake Kong, even though it is like public domain now, it just makes that old Kong a stronger movie. Because I, I actually rewatched it because it's on HBO Max and it holds up. Original Kong? Great. 1933 yeah. Kong? 
1933. I was I was really surprised how well this one held up. Like I know Peter Jackson is sort of known for this like timeless VFX. Um, Yeah. But like I was really surprised with how good this movie looked like there are definitely some some jank every now and then. But like for the most part, it's like surprising. The jank is always when he's trying something that no one had done yet. Yeah. Like it's like and then and that's in your head. You watch it and you're like. I get that they're just learning how to do this one. I'm get, they don't quite have bugs in the mouth quite figured out, so I'm going to let this one slip. Yeah. But there are parts of this movie that, like, I mean, a- any of the stuff with the girl and the ape, like, together are fucking incredible. Well, they still build Also, just, the like, arm. city backgrounds. Yeah. Like, when they're all just kind of walking around at the beginning and they're, like, in the cab and stuff, like, the horizons are incredible. So, a fun fact about the uh, city. Where is it? Um, it? At the beginning of the movie, when the choice is either go to Skull Island or Chicago, and everyone's like, might as well go to Skull Island. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, rather do that. <laughs> so, um, like, this... Uh, uh, with Peter Jackson at his maximum, what he was doing was uh, the digital recreation of 1933 New York had 90,000 separately generated buildings. That's a lot. That's too many, man. I remember when it was just five points. <laughs> That's my New York. <laughs> What happened to this well, city? Bill could be a butcher, you know. <laughs> when men were no butcher Bill. And when men could come with their balls. <laughs> <laughs> really blending up, Snow. <laughs> if you really loved theater, you would have jumped. <laughs> Bill, so he'd be good in every movie. Now, if he if no, no. he played the director in this movie, if Daniel Day Lewis played the director, it would feel so, like such a more manic, dangerous mess. Oh yeah, it, it would be like this. This is not well because the great running joke with um Jack Black doing the "We'll donate the proceeds to his family" mm-hmm. is just this like great touch that Jack Black's just crazy enough to sell every single time. But, like, if you go one notch more delusional, you might lose it. Yeah. He's, and- he's such an interesting casting because I'm sure at the time it was like, whoa. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Because well, when I turned on the movie and had no idea who was in it, I said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he had, like, just had. I would, I mean, he really, I think it's, the last movie that to have come out when he started this was School of Rock. It was School of Rock, and so he also insisted on not wearing makeup for the movie because he heard a false rumor that Clint Eastwood doesn't wear makeup. Okay. Because this, this is like his first serious movie, and uh, uh, and he's actually kind of lucky he's at the part because Jackson originally wanted the George Clooney for it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But that fell through. That's I bad. Mean, like, you don't Clooney have Clooney is a bad choice. Brody. Well, you don't have well, Clooney, Brody, and Ron like Livingston just being there. All uh, that's what I was gonna say. Clooney, handsome, Clooney right? should have played the like movie star role, if anything. Clooney doesn't can't play not in control. Like Clooney, yeah. not knowing how to fix stuff doesn't work. See, yeah, I need him like Gravity, where he just comes in and is like, "Hey, yeah. hey I'm gonna jump oh, yeah. back." Or the Ocean movies great. again, obviously, where he like comes in and he's like, "I've already thought of the plan. We just need to make a movie about it working." <laughs> yeah. 
I don't. I, it's weird that nothing came out of this. That like he proceeded to never do anything like this again. Um, yeah, this wasn't. This seemingly wasn't like, oh, let's make a trajectory change here to this career. Like, let's do comedy. Let's so do a good in action. It. He is like tapping into something that I think certain directors I feel like are able to take and take the right role and take an actor's public perception and like mm-hmm. leverage that as capital against the performance. Right. Like, like it's he like has, kinda, he gets it's like uncut gems kind of yes, thing. Exactly. Where like the taking the currency effect. of what you're all with a baggage. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like he gets, he gets a couple passes at being the worst guy in the world because he's Jack Black. You know what I mean? And at that time with Jack Black, we're like, well, he's, you know, I'm sure he'll redeem himself in the end. You know, Mm -hmm. like you're sort of giving the movie that benefit of the doubt. And I think that it's sort of genius of of Peter Jackson to recognize how people viewed Jack Black. And then and then, like I said, leverage that against this this character who is like, by all means, like a murderous con man responsible for the death of dozens. Right. <laughs> Which is like an amplified version of the like burnt out guy who basically turns children into slaves for his rock star ego. Like it's kind of the same thing of. This guy is doing something that doesn't work. He's convinced a gang of people it will work. And I'm totally going to go with him the whole way. Like, I won't mind him fucking up with these people. Absolutely. Poor Colin Hanks. I also think that, yeah, that's the thing, too, is that when you have a lot of soft boys like Adrian Brody and Ron Livingston and Colin Hanks, you can't have Clooney as the guy against them all like jack black feels like colin hanks could take him like jack black only has his persona and his like charisma to sell all these people on shit it's it's crazy that like jack black jack black is wearing a wig the whole movie and that that wig just looks like colin jose hair <laughs> so I I don't I've never told this story on the pod. I think I've told this story to both of you separately. Um that when I went to pitch uh a, a TV show at Amazon, um the person who we met at Amazon told us a story because they sort of have like a uh like a key card system where you got to swipe a card and then the door lets you through, right? Um but it's a rotating door. Like, I don't know who decided to do this, but it's like a it's you know, it's a it's a rotating door that you swipe your thing for. And so when they were leaving with Colin Hanks, he had like gone through and then the whole system shut down. And so Colin Hanks was sort of stuck in this glass box for like six hours. And he was apparently right about to go to lunch, so he was like starving. No. So his assistant, his assistant is sliding him bologna slices through the sliding door, like the little gap they could get open. <laughs> and I've never been able to to look at Colin Hanks and not think about him just <laughs> eating bologna in a tank like a weird lizard. <laughs> The ninth wonder of the world, baby. The ninth oh, wonder man. of the world, Colin Hanks and the baloney to be tributed dirty, to the beast. Dirty door baloney. It's so like funny it's, to me. There's no way that baloney is clean. The fact that Tom Hanks knows that story 
that Tom Hanks got a call like a day or two later. Like, you're never going to believe. How'd the pitch go? Well, doesn't don't they have another kid who like yeah, spoke Chet, out when they got say. COVID who's such a douchebag? Yo, another Hanks like, kid? Yeah, right? Yeah, Chet Hanks. Chet, His name yeah. is Chet Hanks. Yeah, that he's was the opposite. From the start. He's the opposite of Colin. Like, he looks like he just bullied Colin Colin's entire life. He looks Whoa. like if Tom, if Tom Hanks had a son in East Vegas. This was Tom. It was Tom Hanks's first uh, first son from his first marriage, where he married a a pair of of truck nuts. He looks like a Paul brother. <laughs> he does look like a Paul. He looks like he's trying to box like Floyd Mayweather for no reason. I kind of think uh, for a lot of this, we should go back to like not. Um, Peter Jackson is a nine-year-old loving King Kong, but sort of him starting out in like film school and how he just sort of, uh, he started making B movies out the gate, sort of trauma-esque type uh, like uh, movies. There's uh, actually one called Dead Alive that he the made that's a zombie movie. like graphic movie ever made. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, it actually has the virus coming from Skull Island. Like uh, oh, even back cool. then he was like Easter egging like things for it. And uh, actually on the ship that's heading to Skull you Island, see the there's a couple signs. of cages. Yeah. There's some monsters for uh, monsters from dead alive in there. And uh, so his ability to churn out like these cheap, like really good, like horror movies obviously gets the attention of like Hollywood and they commission him and Fran Walsh, his uh, partner to write a nightmare on Elm street script. And they start work on like a new like reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. And that falls through. But they're also talking with all these other people. They're talking with Robert Zemeckis about a Tales from the Crypt movie. And Zemeckis actually buys that from them. And that floats them as they're not getting any other jobs. They can just live off of what Zemeckis bought off them. And they eventually make Heavenly Creatures, which earns them an Oscar. Heavenly Creatures is a movie about uh, it's Kate Winslet's first movie. It's uh, two girls who um, end up like falling in love. They're like teen girls and they end up murdering their parents because they want to like be together. Uh, like Peter Jackson has like an intense horror background and that's why like he's really able to pull the horror elements of like King Kong even from the 1933 elements like and make them scary. Like earnestly, like a lot of the stuff when they get there and the natives like stuff, it's like scarier than Apocalypto, which was like a whole ass movie. Yeah, all of his stuff feels very um, just so classical and formalist and like you, it's, you know, you see the lights, it all feels Hollywood. Like you can tell this is a lit shot, which is great. It, it's not like he understands that these aren't. You're not going to engage with Lord of the Rings if it's photorealistic. Like, he, he's such a vibe guy. He's also in control at all times. Yeah. That's why he makes B-movie, like, horror movies, because you can do them yourself. Yep. You know, it's a... He, that, he, that's why everything is, like... about it. He's scrappy. Like, he figures out that, like, New Zealand has all this open land and looks like everything, so why can't Lord of the Rings be there? It already looks like Middle Earth. It's cheap to film there. I already know everybody. Let's get this going, you know? And uh, the, the, he has, like, those ideas going on. But Heavenly Creatures, after after it wins that Oscar, gets the attention of uh, our good old enemy, Harvey Weinstein. And Harvey Weinstein is who he pitches Lord of the Rings to. And Harvey goes, okay, I'll get the, uh, I'll get the rights 
to the book. And he's like, all right, if you get the rights to the book, I have this idea. It'll be great. We can do it. And uh, those that rights fight takes like years. And as it's going on, other people are like talking to them, too. And Zemeckis comes back and goes, hey, I have an idea of what we can turn your script into. And they work together to write The Frighteners. Hmm. And The Frighteners, Kyle, obviously, you've never seen The Frighteners. You don't watch spooky movies. But uh, Spike, have you seen Frighteners? I haven't. It's a movie about Michael J. Fox getting in a car accident with his wife. And uh, after that, he can see ghosts. And he helps solve like a crazy murder that happened at an insane asylum. And those ghost effects, like Universal just loves them so much as they're watching the dailies that they like, they don't even like ask or consult him. They, uh, they like heard an old interview where he says he loves King Kong and they go, do you want to make King Kong? Interesting. And this is in like 96. And a call like 97. Yeah. that he doesn't get if those are not practical effects. Because you say they got, that he got this call off the dailies. That like, yeah. you know, if the dailies were empty frames, this or that, and like, oh, in, in a year, Peter tells us it'll look really great. Instead, you know, his whole background leads to his dailies looking like the movie. The um, So cool. So... The ghosts yeah. in uh, Return of the King, because uh, you guys have obviously like Spike. You've seen Return of the King. I we just did all three yeah. like in a row. Um, nice, yeah. Off, uh, it's fucking fantastic. Those ghost effects are from the Frighteners. That's like what he used, like the Ghost like Army. That. Yeah, where, where it's like they're fading in and out of their corpses the whole time. <laughs> Kyle's making a face. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> bro! You um, um I've should. seen uh my my uh my Tolkien background is that uh I saw The Hobbit uh and I said fuck this the live action um, <laughs> yeah and I said fuck this dumb shit uh why are there why is there so much singing no one told me there's this much no, singing yeah. in Lord you gotta, of the Rings you, you gotta put on the ring though. <laughs> You don't have yeah, to. You don't uh, have to hop. You got to put on those I've been rings. told by many people I pretty much did the worst. Uh, the worst, worst thing you movie could do. Order you could do. You're yeah. like someone who's like, um, I watched Attack of the Clones and I thought, fuck this stuff. Why are there so many of these? <laughs> I watched the final one. What was it the uh, Last Jedi? Is that the last one? Yeah. No, Rise of Skywalker. No, Rise I watched of Skywalker. the middle thirty yeah. minutes of just, Rise of Skywalker yeah, and I was I, like, what is up with Star Wars? Yeah, <laughs> I've seen season two of The Wire. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I would say I would say season five, but yes. I don't like um, Breaking or... Bad. What's it just about a fly? I watched this one episode, watched and it just seems like it's a show about a fly. <laughs> so, yeah. um, The Frighteners is an interesting pitch for Peter because he's also pitched of like, hey, if you can just do it with like your own cheap crew and basically do it yourself, like go ahead sort of thing. And like what appeals to him, I think, is the amount of control and how much he can have his hands in every piece. Because even in uh, Lord of the Rings down the line, like it's his effects studio. It's his game studio that's connected to all the Lord of the Rings stuff. You know, game studio. yeah, like uh, the the every Lord of the Rings game that's come out, and there's been like a steady few every few years. It's like all still connected to like Weta Digital and like the like his game stuff. Like he produces those still. Huh. He like uh, 
not only is he a Lord of the Rings nerd, but like his King Kong like merch, he has original props from King Kong just in his house. And there's a lot of uh, like that's times cool. they're using props in the movie that are from the 1933 oh, movie. That's that awesome. They're just from his personal collection. That's so sick. Well, and, I, love, um, I love movie nerds. Peter yeah. Jackson. Hey, Peter Jackson. I hope you're. I hope you're the one doing the robbery. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter Jackson with the gun. Always has been. Yeah. We now we now zoom out to see that it's Peter Jackson holding In like the gun a, to the back a of Troy Duffy's head. And shorts. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he killed the beast, and he shoots Troy Duffy in the head. Leaves with his twelve dollars. <laughs> so in my head this is a guy who like finds things he likes to work on does it cheap and delivers every time so of course every producer wants him for everything you know everyone wants to be attached to his next project because yeah. the return is so good let me get on that mortal engine <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like and he's such a big community dude most of the time like everyone that worked on heavenly creatures is the same people that worked on frighteners he just brings them over mm -hmm. cool. it's like basically just the machines just don't stop like running and so that just means he can churn things out like that and it's sort of he's a big community guy i think he's the opposite like the polar opposite of the la noir guy yeah you know like he's like a new zealander who like loves to be around people and hears everyone's input um i mean when andy circus wanted to dip his toes in directing he made andy circus the second unit director on the hobbit movies oh. like he'll just like apprentice people That's into cool. shit, you know but wasn't that also because he was like they made him make those hobbit movies in like six days he was Why forced to make that those... to him. Why would you do that to him? I don't know. Is Martin yeah, Freeman somebody, busy? That's, a, What's that's a future episode. <laughs> it is a future ep. Like a lot of this. Uh, so like a, a lot of this history, I'm just going to touch on because we got to cover it later. Stuff because we, yeah. So it's sort of like I'm going to talk about how this gets him to that. You know. Um, so. Uh, yeah. So the ghost things lead him to. Uh, and so Weinstein, uh, uh, so Universal signs him up for King Kong and he's ready. Him and Fran Walsh, they write a script for it and they have to make a deal with, uh, with Weinstein, uh, Universal does, to uh, get it going. The devil. The devil. <laughs> and Weinstein makes it very clear, I'm loaning you Jackson as a favor right now. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, these are things probably Peter Jackson never heard, but, like, apparently he made it very clear, and he made it very clear to Jackson. He was like, you're going to them as a favor for me. You're going to have to do a movie for me eventually. Is he dead yet? <laughs> I, like, he, last thing I heard, he was, like, in the prison hospital on COVID, and I ate a bigger dinner that night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear good news about people that suck, I just eat a large dinner. <laughs> Vengefully got the vaccine. <laughs> right, I just uh, I just eat mutton. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's just tweeting so, about the new season of Emily in Paris or whatever that show's <laughs> called. <laughs> and at that same time, as he's like really trying to do King Kong, Twentieth Century Fox like pulls him by the shoulder and goes, "Hey, hey, hey you want to do Planet of the Apes?" Oh man, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "So I got this," and he pulls out. A Planet of the Apes script he already had. Because my man is ready to do ape 
stuff. My that's my thing is like he seems like weirdly uh, like anytime you bring up just a weird old property he's like so it turns out I have an 800 page script for this I've been wanting to make for 20 years <laughs> like every weird old thing he just wants to adapt hard shit to adapt like that's kind of it's kind of impressive sure. the adaptations he has made work there's no way know? he doesn't have an Akira script like in some drawer uh, you know he does starring jack black <laughs> and a monkey <laughs> i have a little brief summary of what his script was like for his uh, um for uh, planet, planet of the apes, apes. the oh, story would have focused on the apes in a particularly affluent period uh sort of like like florence or venice uh, the ape world has gained artistic mm. beauty i was going to have a big fat orangutan with all the jowls as the pope it was a satirical look at religion the twist in this version would have been that uh all of it was a facade and the apes had plastered over art made by humans and pawned it off as their own Interesting. spoiler alert that fucking rips that's yeah. a cool idea <laughs> yeah like, it's a cool idea like, i, I, I like later down the line i do want to do like the planet of the apes as like an overall like series oh, sure. because i do like love them i've read like the original books and stuff like that I and love sort of that the sort of original twist. planet of the apes is so good too like the charles and Mastin. it was actually supposed it was going to kick off a thing that was a big homage to it and it was going to have like original actors from the like uh planet of the apes series come back yeah now i've sort only, of like I've do only, their stuff too. i've only watched the good ones there's like one where there's like like gorilla Nazis, right? I've been told there's like a gorilla Nazi one. Three Dude, or yes, four. there's one. Uh, there's one where these people go underground and they find uh, people with large heads and psychonetic powers that worship a nuclear warhead. Uh, so also attached to this 20th Century Fox deal was Arnold Schwarzenegger to star and Cameron James Cameron to produce. Hmm. Peter Jackson looked at it and probably said, "I and like it's quoted like I don't like how not in control I could be with this because you know James Cameron's sort of mentality on making a movie and Peter Jackson's I don't think would ever mix, especially with Cameron and and Arnold. Like yeah. that's like, like no fun. No, those are just industries like, and he would have to be like a yes man. And Peter Jackson isn't a yes man. You just sort of say yes to him because his idea was already good. Well, especially Arnold, who's like a yes James Cameron man. Yeah." Well, and, and James Cameron, <clears throat> James Cameron absolutely is an auteur as well. But I feel like, uh, like Peter Jackson is such a cool kind of auteur because he's like that rare kind of auteur that sees everything, right? Has a clear vision in his head, but actually is open to mixing it with what you have to say. Like James Cameron is not going to listen to his actors or or anyone on set to be like oh what if we you know what if the water actually came in the cabin through this way because then you could flip the camera around you know what i mean like he's not gonna he's not gonna hear anybody out he already has directed titanic three times in his head it's done yeah it's cut final cut <laughs> is done you know think... like but but i feel like it's really cool that you have this dude who is like able to to have that sort of vision, because I do think having that vision is rare and he can, he has this grand vision for shit. And then he is also like a cool collaborative person. It's, it's pretty baller. And it's just like, it sucks that he also revolves around like being controlled by Weinstein so much. 
but I yeah. think it's sort of like at that time, you're attached to the person what, who pulls you out of your country, you, you know. And it's also yeah. like that, that was how like, you made ooh, movies at that time. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Weinstein may suck, but like movies got made, you know. <laughs> like, um, so while all of this is happening and he's getting all of these offers for different ten poles, uh, Weinstein still doesn't have the rights to the Lord of the Rings book the whole time. Like he was just sort of fishing for this and trying to do it. And who did was p producer Paul Zantz, uh, who actually owed Weinstein a favor, but Weinstein uh, didn't want to cut Zantz a percentage of the deal on any back end for any con or any, uh, or at all monetarily in the contracts for any Lord of the Rings deal. If he gave him the rights, he just wanted him like just flat out. And so like that takes like years and years. Um, and so finally, Weinstein makes a deal with Universal so that uh, Universal can make uh, this Kong script in the 90s. And in that deal, Universal will help make Shakespeare in love, making Peter Jackson the thing that causes Harvey Weinstein to dominate the Oscars in 98. Whoa. Fucking rat bastard. <laughs> Dude, that is that is Weinstein playing fucking 5D, 5D chess, chess though. Yeah. Like it's wild. Is, like, and it's, and it's one of those things you have to wonder of like, is was he that smart in conniving in the industry, or did he just get like dumb, stupid, dummy, thick, lucky? I think he just sometimes it's I don't think it's dummy thick luck. I think yeah, he can he read a script and it. he can know. You right. Know? It's like I, I think he I think it's like he saw like Shakespeare in Love, he read it and went like this is like what is gonna hit, you know? And yeah. he was right. But it, yeah. it's like, and it sucks. He's he reading it while he's jerking off into a plant. Yeah. <laughs> he's Those like, this is going to hit. <laughs> uh, so Jackson's uh, like 97 King Kong script was very different from what we saw now. It was actually very close to what the mummy with Brendan Fraser turned into. What? Uh, it was uh, sort. Uh, Anne Darrow was actually an archaeologist, and Jack uh, and Jack Driscoll was a sailor. Who uh, they were in Sumatra, and they find a Kong statue uh, and a map to Skull Island, and it starts like the lead up to in Skull Island and the New York sort of. That sounds very thing. like Planet of the Apesy. It was it was lighthearted and had Carl Denham being more of like a villain, like in that more head role. The T-Rex fight and the stampede are the things that stayed from that script because Good Universal pulled the plug in 97 because uh, Frighteners didn't make the money that it was supposed to. They got really hype on Frighteners being this dope October release and said, this is actually good enough to put in summer. And they moved this horror movie to summer. Mm. And then nobody cared about the like Michael J. Fox weird ghost movie. You what know? was it up yeah. against? What was Frighteners up against? Frighteners box office. Let's look at that because I'm I'm interested. Because that's like a ninety six box. Not the box. fighter, the Frighteners. Because <laughs> that's like summer ninety six. I want to say. Oh, here we go. Okay, so it was up against Independence Day. Yeah. Nah. Nah, it was gonna lose. Yeah. It was gonna lose to Mission Impossible, The Cable Guy, and Independence Day for sure. Yeah, nah. Yeah, it's um. Uh, so they pulled the plug because of the loss on Frighteners, and then plus they heard wind of Disney making an ape movie called Mighty Joe Young that they heard might be like super good. And yeah, it wasn't. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, you read that script? Oh my Working god! Great. 
Worked uh, out great. And then, uh, and then so they also mighty. were they were hearing terrible CGI, things man. about a Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie that was so in the works that they were like, so they pulled the plug. Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Uh, look at that. Uh, look at that. Maybe a, maybe they thought a, it, maybe an omen on the horizon. <laughs> they saw they, they saw Disney's ape movie and they saw a uh, a Godzilla movie by the guy who just killed their Frighteners movie. Yeah. And they said we're not going to be third best in the monster movie run. It's not going to be able to compete with these movies based off the performance we have, so we're going to can it. And they tell Peter Jackson that. And Peter Jackson hangs his head and he calls Weinstein. And it's said that you can hear through the phone just Weinstein going, We're going to do rings! And really? finally, Lord of the Rings starts. Yes. <laughs> he, he orders he orders 10,000 orders of onion rings from Applebee's <laughs> to Peter Jackson's house. He's like, We're doing rings, Jackson! <laughs> And so well, we're because, gone. We don't need Kong. <laughs> He's just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and that kickstarts uh, the good old Lord of the Rings. Wow. So if Kong, if King Kong had gotten made originally, he would have. That would have been pushed, or or who knows yeah. what would happen with that. Exactly. Wow. And um. And I think Kong is the movie that needed. The better effects, yes. as massive totally. as like, there's so much that's still so real in those Rings movies. Like, it's shocking how little is full CGI. So, like, it was like if he made King Kong and then took what he learned and made Rings, wouldn't have been as great a trade as like King Kong is him really knowing how to go make these effects happen digitally and practically. Yeah. That's so cool. And it, and it makes total sense of why he jumped, like we were talking about, why he jumped right back into the fire mm-hmm. of wanting to make King Kong. It's like, because, yeah. no, I was interrupted. What you didn't understand was that I made Lord of the Rings as, like, a distraction for myself to be able to deal with not making King Kong yeah. for several years. <laughs> I, I changed a country because you guys wouldn't let me make Kong. Dude, he had to make three <laughs> Hobbit movies because they wouldn't let him make king kong i he he like was like okay bet i can't do king kong what if i tackled like arguably the hardest book yeah. adaptation of all time and made three of the best movies ever made real <laughs> yeah. quick it made like three yeah. widely celebrated like incredible works that like uh, like oscar nominated like fantasy movies <laughs> like <Yeah>. what <laughs> so, so even cool. in his original deal he had final cut on the rings like, movie? No, uh, oh, on rings he does, but also uh, uh, on um uh, in the original deal for King Kong. Damn. He had that's pretty uh, cool. like uh, and, and like so he that's had final why it's say three and, hours uh, and 20 minutes. That's why it's a director's cut of a fucking Yeah. He got it in this one and he was actually at the time the highest paid director for a King Kong uh, for not just uh, for any movie at 20 million dollars. Damn. I mean, he he was a he was like at that time kind of like 2005. He was like the guy. Right? The yeah, same like amount was the dude that Nolan was given for for Dunkirk. Hey man, I mean Kevin Smith was given eight for Zach and Mary make a porno. <laughs> like you fucking know where That's to put the good. camera. You're gonna make some dough, <laughs> <laughs> man. It's uh, so. 
uh, during like uh, the post of Return of the King, uh, like they're looking at all this tech, and he reapproaches Universal with a new script for King Kong, mm-hmm. where he's done all the revisions and he's made like he's like you know what I love the 1933 version so much I want to make my loving homage to it. Like uh, with the tech we have now, I think I can make. He's probably so much what more confident. This should be. You know, like, yeah, and he's like, he he can swing a dick now. Like, he has yeah. Lord of the Rings and Oscars just coming out of his pockets. Yeah. You know, and it's like, he can do whatever he wants. And so they say, yes, uh, you can have this. Uh, yeah, like, there's nobody to say no. Like, he has full control, of course. Well, and that's then he the other gets thing to... is that he's been, like, swinging with a weighted bat this whole time where, like, he's like, yeah, it's going to be easy. I only have to make one of these i just made three three hour movies in one shoot i can do a three hour movie in one shoot like that would be so easy and relaxing but then it's like it seems like all of the difficulties were so multiplied i mean on paper maybe again like you said he was just he just crushed it he um uh a lot of stuff is just like sort of him crushing it mechanically like being in there because like I think a lot of times like issues arise in production when the person in charge doesn't want to get their hands dirty enough to help. But it feels like if there was something wrong with the animation, he would get in there and fucking do it. Yeah, it feels like he's the kind of dude that kind of like relishes the opportunity to roll up his sleeves and like where other directors like sort of throw up their hands in frustration. It seems like he's sort of like, ah, filmmaking. But I mean, like when you're at your maximum, you got the liberty and you can do things like uh, put 90,000 separately generated buildings in images of New York for King Kong to run around in or no, 90 um, or nine. 90,000. I think that's there's no fucking way that's true. <laughs> Well, it means he just animated a whole like, set, you know, yeah. or it's just like it's like a video game. He made a video game and then filmed it. Basically sure. what they do in Tintin. I think that was the technology that built upon that scene in Tintin with like the eagle. They do a ton of they do a ton of that kind of, uh, you know, building out huge amounts of cities and stuff like I think they had like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand cities in like uh, uh, spider in the spider verse in the New York City scenes. Yeah, in 2005, though, like, imagine how much yeah. money that is. No, I, this was at like, the time like the most expensive thing in the world. That's the thing, though, is, like, this movie, I would kind of argue, could come out today and nobody would, like, have anything people bad would be to like, say how about did you, the effects. Yeah. There's people like, would be like, how did you do that? There are, a couple sh- there are a couple, like, scenes in this movie where it's, like, fully CGI'd characters and shit, but the camera is doing shit that is so cool that I'm going, whoa, I've never seen that before, which in yeah. 2021, in a fully CGI, in a post-Endgame world, you think you've kind of seen everything still, but, like, there is something to be said about, like, really quality filmmaking done with that kind of effects. Like That's why this is sort of, like, his Jurassic Park, where it's, like, I know exactly how to do this, and because I'm the first to do it, everything's gonna be calculated. We're not gonna have eye lines that are fucked up, because we are building this. We're not gonna have the actors will react to it correctly, because there's no standard of, like, oh, it's fine. Because now, you know, shit can look wonky even in Endgame because there are, there's almost a laze to the um, process now. 
similar to Jurassic Park, it's like we have built this for this is purpose built effects, so it will all be cohesive and and of of a single piece. Have you guys heard that there was supposed to be there was like a James Cameron Jurassic Park that was supposed to happen? Or are you talking about the hairy dinosaurs? With the uh, the dinosaurs that can use guns, yeah, yeah. he wanted it. Script. He yeah. wanted it to be like more of a horror, like more of like a science horror movie. Because I guess to make the, aliens. I guess the them. book, yeah, exactly. Like I guess the book is a lot more like um, scientific. You know, there's like little diagrams yeah. and like little like like you know. He wanted to make it um uh, like a thing where it's like there's humans infused with like dinosaur DNA now and like uh like there's like velociraptors with guns and like there is elements of that script that they still pull from uh, for these to world, do these Jurassic World for movies. these world ones. Yeah, like uh, yeah. in like Jurassic World 2 like that auction and that weird gun that could like find mm-hmm. and control the dinosaur. That was all in that script. But the Crichton it's cuz it's all from Michael Crichton books and and it was like the paperclip. Is it a paperclip or the DNA strand video presentation yeah. in the first movie? Is like Spielberg and going? How I make will in five minutes hour. make condense this three hundred page book about how you could do this and actually get mm-hmm. to the interesting right. story instead. Right. Crichton was basically just like, I think I have figured out how we could do this. Look at these diagrams. Look at I, chapter two. This is how we, you know, instead. It's just like I was I was listening to somebody saying that saying that like in the in the book, he even does like uh, like like they describe hacking and he like shows like the circuitry diagrams for like how this hacking could make sense. And I'm like, oh. what? <laughs> it's because Jurassic Park is a dad book. It's like right. it sounds like Crichton just writes dad books. The best dungeon master I've ever heard. Yeah. Honestly. Sp- Spielberg is the honest. ultimate dungeon master, though. When you have that sort of control, you can also make sure that every billboard in the New York scenes is are the same billboards that were in the 1933 movie. Whoa. Like, uh, That's so cool. Everything, uh, and uh, there's... Um, so Jamie Bell's role was created for him is another big part of it, too, is that they, he's just an actor who was popping and it was probably is, part of is the deal. Is he the like Tom Holland kid? The Tom Holland looking boy? Yeah. He saw the Wake Me Up When September Ends video and said, I need this kid on my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally thinking, like, I was like, man, that if you film that today, that wouldn't be Tom Holland. But three years ago, boy, would it have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's is, in the heart of the sea, right? Yeah. So... Oh, one thing Peter Jackson was also dedicated to was making sure that they did make the big animatronic arm for uh, like Love to, it. to hold Naomi Watts on and whip her around and stuff. But it actually like almost broke her arm. Yeah, I was because like say. it would like whip too fast and stuff. I, I was like, going to say it, there's some scenes where where Cog is sort of moving her around just very like because it's how the animation <laughs> needs to look natural for Cog to look natural. Yeah. moving, But like the G forces that would be imposed oh, yeah. on this woman, like her neck muscles are so buff. ankles would fly <laughs> off. Like, well, <laughs> there's this. Uh, there's this interview where she's talking about she's like yeah i got hurt a little bit but luckily i do yoga so it's fine that's great well this woman in the 30s isn't doing yoga <laughs> right she's, she's like doing, doing vaudeville. vaudeville dancing that's bad on your joints to begin with 
<laughs> do you think so when, when during that scene where she did all the vaudeville and then kong starts like pushing her over and she's finally like no it's over that's it and she teaches king kong consent when weinstein Beautiful. watched that scene now that we know that he definitely did what do you think he thought what do you think he was like what a pussy <laughs> 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 he wasn't it's, happy because it's, it's a it's a it's a monster watching a monster be better than him. <laughs> Twas consent killed the beast. <laughs> Come on, folks, that's a pod. That's oh, a podcast. Man. Go rate this podcast. Come on, <laughs> rate review. <laughs> Speaking of problematic people, uh, so that confrontation between the V-Rexes, as they're technically called from like the original text, uh, and uh, and Kong, and, like that three-way like so T-Rex good. fight, some great directed, but second best looking dinosaurs in a movie ever. And but so, my favorite dinosaur fight, the best dinosaur fight maybe ever captured on Peter some, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, asked his friend who was filming on the lot next to them in New Zealand to come film the scene for him and is in the special like thanks of the movie. It's mm-hmm. Brian Singer directed that scene. No! Ooh. No! No! <laughs> no! You've trapped me in the shadow realm! That's a bummer. You, Kyle was just hyping that uh, shit. Up. I love that scene so much. And now you're I think we're talking about this maybe on the that podcast. That scene is such like, a better action scene than he ever did in an X-Men movie. We may have talked about this, how unfortunately talented he is. Yeah. We yeah, say that about the sucks. other uh, adapter of a Kong that we'll talk about briefly. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, fucking awful that's such terrible news when he pulls the thing's jaw open i was just like it's just so gorgeous i really hope brian singer didn't direct this i wondered what the script looked like like what it says in the (laughs) script when he's like he moves the guy's head and then sort of compacts its skull back in on itself oh man (laughs) there's a diagram yeah (laughs) what a fucking beautiful scene and it's like uh i think uh, that was the start of Peter Jackson making movies that were basically roller coasters because there's like half of... Uh, theme parks. They're not cinema. Yeah. They're like theme parks. <laughs> the uh, the Hobbit movies kind of like, especially when those they land in the barrel and they're like going down the river, yeah. feel like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't oh, feel like and, a, a universal ride. And Kyle shouted out the, the punting of the raptor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Uh, what, what's the what's his name, Mister Mister Something? Uh, that character, Tom Holland's like ship dad. Yeah. Uh, oh, the um, Mister the, the Captain, Mister Henry, or something like that, right? Mister uh, Mister Ch- Charlie Hebdo. <laughs> Mister Charlie Hebdo. He, that character is so awesome. Uh, Hayes. Mister Hayes. I lo- I'm a big Mister dude. That actor. Every time he is on camera, he is fucking magnetic, magnetic <laughs> bro. I texted Honestly, a picture of it to the group chat. I was like, magnetic. Because this is the monster in Planet of the Apes a few years before that. Uh, this joke. movie is the most magnetic movie possible. Everyone in it, you know, is just like also someone at the height of their power. Naomi Watts was just like killing it at the time. Mm. Adrian Brody like won an Oscar for The Pianist. And uh, he was actually signed to this movie. 
and he was the producers told him you're the only choice and he signed on before even the script was finished he was like yeah i'll, I'll fucking do this when there was only 15 and, um, pages but he's like they're 15 he, good pages well everyone does sound like they love like uh, like as much as we speak on like peter jackson loving like king kong and stuff like that and being like so cool to work with i want um Kyle, I want you to read the uh, – I put a quote in the research tab of the Discord Beautiful. thing, and it was from an interview, and it's like this wild, self-centered response from Adrian Brody. I think there are subtle and not-so-subtle digs at all people in the entertainment profession. Jack says, I'm a producer. You can trust me. It's an interesting thing. I think some actors are more self-obsessed than others. It's kind of an unfortunate trap. Because you go from obscurity, getting really no respect as an actor, and it's a very difficult thing to get past that, to start to be appreciated for your work. Some people don't get to that point, and maybe others take the place take the place of that. You start feeling, it's kind of exacerbating, because you start to feel a little more important when people are asking you your opinion on world politics, and why are we still in Iraq? And you're going, why is my opinion any more valid than anyone else's? Because I'm famous now? I just talked to Charlie Rose. I'd spoken to him before the Academy Awards, and he said, after the Academy Awards, you were everywhere. Did you get swept up in it? And I said, I didn't get swept up in it at all. I actually clung to what was important to me. But it appeared that I was everywhere because they took my picture everywhere. I went and published it. So partly. So party and everything, partly and everything, it's on the Academy Awards season. Uh, it's Academy Awards season. You go out and do these things, but all of a sudden it looks like I'm living it up and I'm a man about town and I blew up. I only blew up because they were paying more attention to me. It's interesting. You have to have a lot of self-control, I think. This is like there's there's now this quote from every person in the world because of Joe Rogan. I feel like this is the kind of shit that we're all like encouraging now. That like yo, it's just if you ramble up, forever. If you look up tabloid stuff around that time too, he was like caught having a threesome with like uh, Jeremy Piven and some other woman. I forgot her name, but it, I mean, no, you, I always, everyone was all right with it. I always get a no, weird. It's cool that they're all right, but I was like, Jeremy Piven is the thing I'm upset about. Is yeah, that like, like that. Adrian Brody yeah. is Cancel an Oscar winner? Can pick Jeremy a Piven. I, I, yeah, that's I, my. I, uh, like, I always think about the Adrian Brody story that, like, before the piano, so that he could cry on camera, he like dumped his fiance of like ten years or something, uh, <laughs> so that he would be able to like muster like the courage to cry like that. And I've always just been like, you're a shitty person. Yeah, did you <laughs> like, not have an iPod and Celine Dion? Did you? Did you have to so dump? Just, just thinking about this. Him saying that quote after having done that to a person that he cared about is especially fucked Horrible. up. <laughs> well, in his SNL, you know, when he introduced uh, Sean Paul on SNL in like Rastafari and like wig and doing like an accent, which was apparently off script, obviously. <laughs> Very cool. About it's... It. Do you guys remember that he... movie Robots? Yes, with uh, Robin Williams and Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Also a very magnetic cast. Heavily, heavily, <laughs> uh, heavily promoted on the Neopets platform. They were made, made of metal. Yeah. Um, another big thing. 
about this movie too was its video game adaptation was actually received very well. Ooh, uh, you get they to had be a, it, King Kong, or you got to be people. Both. You're Jack Driscoll for most of it, but you also get to be King Kong and fight V-Rexes and pterodactyls and stuff like that. So there's a first-person shooter game, and then it goes to this fighter game where you're King Kong and you're punching mm, and jabbing. I like that. I was looking. And, I was uh, looking into that. It, it looked like it. It did. It had really good reviews and stuff. Like it was actually. I had the PSP version because the PSP version had a <laughs> multiplayer. Mm, that's cool. And it was the only version that had a multiplayer, actually. Huh. Big ape, tiny device. Yeah, and it was like a, he was across platforms just like trying to make King Kong work and made sure that if it was Peter Jackson's King Kong, that if it had his name on it, that it was also like a quality piece of work, which you don't see out of a lot of those people. Hmm. This is a sick looking game. I did look up a thing, though, that apparently there was like a a, a, a big bug when the game came out because it was sort of right between um to give everyone big juicy titties <laughs> you know didn't cyberpunk it but no it was like right before hd tvs like right before everyone had them it was like in that awkward period and i guess it was like a thing where if you didn't have an hd tv but you were trying to play this game on xbox 360 uh it would appear like very very dark and so a lot of reviewers who like reviewed the game early were like, oh, the game is like really underlit, super dark. And then other people huh. were like, what are you talking about? No, it's not. And it became this like argument in the game. It became a, a like, blue dress, white dress thing. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and then they found out what it was and they like they patched it. But uh, that must have been the beginning of like games at the when you first turn it on, it makes you like right when the logo is not visible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my game i i don't i turn off the game right there because i'm like well i got what i paid for yeah you beat it i can't keep playing anymore it'd be illegal (laughs) (laughs) i only paid for one game sir so uh andy circus spent months studying apes and like gorillas and this is sort of the only uh king kong (laughs) sorry andy circus waking up at 8 a.m for monkey school Dude, I think months is too long to do that. It's months, and he's not picking uh, stuff up in month three. Like, just look at also. He had to like uh, justify the fact that there were no gorillas or apes at the zoos in Australia, and they had to bring one out. And uh, so he had to just by having it there that long. So it was like sort of a habitation thing. And uh, he also insisted that they rewrite the script to make sure that Kong is a herbivore because gorillas don't eat meat. Really? That's cool. Huh. Uh, Because they just defend and then they eat bamboo and tree and stuff like that, you know? Gotcha. And uh, so uh, he made sure it was very accurate. And like I was like I watched Kong Skull Island and I watched this one and then I watched the 1933 version as well. And like it's the only one that actually kind of portrays him as a silverback gorilla with the right like sort of look and everything, too. Yeah. In like Skull Island, he is. I do kind of appreciate that in this. He just like he looks like he looks like Randy Couture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to speak again about the 1933 movie, there's a famous mm. scene that um, was remade in the new version. You know where the crew like falls in and like uh, you see all the bugs like eat people. Yes. 
Uh, so in the in the original one, there is like a spider pit that people fall in. Dude, in, in 2021, screen, I was barely screaming ready for that. I've never seen that something bug, like that bug before. Bug scene in this movie. Yeah, that 33, was they're not ready. That they're not. And uh, <laughs> they, um, yeah, it's still tr- yeah. What's what's really yes. impressive about that scene that always throws me is is how the score is it's so underscored it's really quiet and like it's not like shrieking it's not fast it's just like humming and it just feels so upsetting yeah to speak about the score seven weeks before the release peter jackson let go of howard shore uh who did the whole score for the movie and did like some of the like the best composing of all who did lord of the the rings Rings. those are like it was his boy the Lord of the Rings is a score that the, when you hear it the first time, you think it's your you've heard it your whole life. Like it just it feels so canonical in like classical movie scores. I can't who scored uh, King Kong. What happened? It It's um this like uh, John Newton Howard. And uh, the quote here is rather than waste time arguing with a friend and uh, trying to unify our ideas, we decided to amicably find a different composer. So it was like really Peter Jackson being like, we just couldn't figure it out. And I don't want to argue with a friend. The guy that did compose it is a guy is, um, is M night Shyamalan's guy. The guy who did like, uh, the sixth sense in the village dark Knight, the okay. fugitive like works with like, uh, Howard Shore and stuff too. So like, uh, so that famous scene in the 1933 when the reel was lost and there was only like a couple clips that were like found still and it had become like a cult thing with film nerds. Peter Jackson in his free time restored it, like refilmed it with a couple of things and used computer like restoration to put it back into the DVD specials of that movie and not even credit it on his own movie. Oh, that's cool. Damn, and that's it's sort sick. of like... It's like a, this a dude just got to, to go do his like he just ha- got to have the best couple of years of his life, didn't he? He actually and you can actually watch all of them uh, on the production diaries. He, they sell a Blu-ray set that is like eight discs of just like him for 30 hours talking every day about what he did on set. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, he also has that for Lord of the Rings, too. Like, they liked it so yeah. much in Lord of the Rings, he decided to do one for King Kong. And it, like, comes in, like, a beautiful, like, Skull Island chest and looks like a, like a Treasure Island thing. Oh, this thing's cool. It's uh, it's pretty dope. I mean, like, he loves King Kong. And that remember in, like, uh, in Minecraft when we talked about, like, the great Minecraft movie isn't made because the person who made it, like... Yes. The person who loves it hasn't made it yet. Yes, totally. King Kong was waiting for the definitive King Kong because it was waiting for Peter Jackson. And, like, after watching the 1933 one and knowing how good it is, what he made elevates it and makes it a movie that makes it timeless. Where it's like, uh, both of those movies will stand the test of time as something wonderful and a piece of great filmmaking. And it will. It is an incredible piece of filmmaking that holds up almost, like almost 15 years like over 15 years later in a world that's been dominated by cgi creations this one still yeah. looks just as good as anything else and also during that time universal or not universal but they're trying to um they're trying to move forward with a, a hobbit movie uh while he's doing king kong they're like he's distracted we can do this and he says no and he buys the rights to the hobbit because he says i don't want to make the hobbit i just don't want somebody to make a bad movie so I'm going to keep the rights. 
If somebody made a bad Hobbit movie, that'd be terrible. And Kyle probably wouldn't watch the other uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> movies for a long time. Yeah, it'd screw you away. But and, I will uh, watch so them I eventually. This... I, I want people listening. Yeah, to well, know. I think we'll I'm have going... to cover them weirdly. Like, we'll have to watch all three or even all six to like cover them. But it's definitely a full episode or a series to do. I'm excited. Oh, definitely. And it's a, and so I don't want to like touch too much on like the dramas behind yeah. it. But I think like a lot of the power and control he had here and how he sort of lost it later on fed to the disaster that was that those movies. Hmm. Sure. Because it was you can tell it was something he actually didn't want to do. Yeah. Um. I mean, and so a lot of it sort of went smoothly from there. Like he filmed his movie. He used his bruvs to make it um, like, yeah, it, the insect pit shit is cool. He used a lot of uh, oil. Uh, there was um, a guy who had an original 1933 poster of King Kong in the background of one of his like video reviews he was doing of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Peter Jackson emailed him and paid him for that poster. Wow. Speaking of posters, um. Uh, Kyle Chandler reacting to the scribbles on his poster and liking the mustache. Some of the best, like, <laughs> like double take acting ever done. Like, like one of those things that is a scene that could have been cut. Uh, and I'm so glad wasn't. Yeah. Like it was just such a great little glimpse into that character and just, just good little shit. It, this is weirdly a movie that is three hours and 20 minutes and it feels like there was, like the beginning is un, like undeniably way too long, and it feels like he cut out forty five minutes of shit. And this was like he's like, sure. yes, I I trimmed every ounce of fat in that opening. The like, original, <laughs> yeah. The original is an hour and thirty three minutes long. Yeah, you gotta get in, get out, you know. And, and this movie's three hours and actually the theatrical cut is three hours and seven minutes the uh stuff that was cut is the uh scene where they're in a boat in a swamp and the piranodons attack them hmm. i watch. i uh, had that i had that scene in mind where they're on like the rafts and there's yeah. the big sea monster thing movies yeah, that, shit, that shit was tight <clears throat> so a lot of the things that's that, why it's um, so I good think... though that setting is like you can literally just do any it's like they walk 30 more feet and now they have piranodons Dude, and they yeah, walk yeah. once again feet, it's, it's great dnd a, a another richard episode thing of it's their star wars how many toys to this day they still make peter jackson king kong toys because there's so many fucking dinosaurs and shit you can do with it yeah any dinosaur movie prints toys which prints money because yeah, kids uh, love dinosaurs. And because it's like so long, I mean, not that, but sh- thinking about how a movie is successful today, it's so sequel proof, not so much because, you know, Kong is dead or whatever, but because he like, what else is there to do at Skull Island? Like he really had the time to do everything interesting there. Whereas yeah. you watch mm-hmm. the new Skull Island and it's like, it's a great setting and it's a really great looking fun movie. But at the same time, you're like, I'd watch two more hours there. Everything feels really like finished here. Yeah, it feels so well fleshed out. And like even like the giant gate and they have like the fork thing that lowers down the oh. girl. So give it. And I'm like, I'm like, this shit is also cool. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's so cool. And it's it's tense and and scary because he gets to do it like a horror scene. Like he really slows down it down and he's cutting back and forth and mm-hmm. back and forth and really like living in the tension for it too which 
a lot of the times you don't have time. That's the first thing to go is, can we cut out this three extra seconds of someone waiting for something to happen? I think all in all, um, it's the last like sort of prestige blockbuster we'll ever get, you know? No, I don't. I mean, Nolan is still doing that. Nolan still does that. Um, you know, I think Tenet was the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people though. Ridley. Ridley still makes prestige yeah. blockbusters. But it's like not in the way of like, this is an old Hollywood movie style, or even when they try to make it like that way, it's like everyone was just firing on all cylinders no matter what, you know? It was just like, no one's going to come off the greatest project ever and do another greatest project ever, I think. Yeah, in terms of it also landing, because you have these rare, like, glorious pieces of huge art with, like, Blade Runner 2049 or... Like to a interesting extent, like The Last Jedi, where an artist got to do something really big, where everyone was fantastic in it, but it doesn't happen in terms of like, and then everyone was happy about it, and they didn't make a sequel, you know? It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This didn't need a sequel. It didn't need yeah. anything else. Like they didn't want to make a cartoon. What they had is they had this like prestige class thing where they made like the dinosaurs of Skull Island books and stuff like that, and made it sort of like a Discovery Kids thing, where it's like treat it like a textbook because people should learn cartography in a cool way. Yeah, you know, and it's like. uh so uh, that me uh, that makes King because uh, if King Kong was bad in my opinion we would have had a remake a lot sooner than we did. Sure, sure. You know it's like because of how good King Kong was, it took till twenty seventeen for us to get Kong Skull Island. Are we going to talk about his size, big boy? His size, yeah. So he is measured to be the same exact size and scale as the original nineteen thirty three one. I believe that. That sounds which is what real nerdy shit. <laughs> yeah, how tall? How tall that guy? The Dap Boy, I believe it's twenty five. I had a because he's big, but like when he's next to like the people on the street, he's not like she's like, I mean, like yeah, sure he's like pretty substantial Godzilla. in his hand. Yeah. yeah, well, and I mean, that that's sort of just like probably to Peter Jackson's credit, like him just homaging the difference in sizes of the original. Sure, sure. Yeah, whereas like in Kong Skull Island, Brie Larson is like half the size of his pinky finger. Like he's so oh, much he bigger. Big. Than yeah. So. Yeah. Well, because to fight, to fight Godzilla, like you have to. You got to have reach. Huge. You got to. Yeah. You got to be able to. And that's the thing that where that movie hammer. maybe some. It, it's a movie that, while so in its own thing, is obviously feeding another movie that's come before it, leading to another movie so, that comes after it. It doesn't feel like it begins or ends like this great 19, thing. 1933's King Kong is 24 feet tall. That seems... Yeah, that's weird that that's... Is that standing? Because I guess he, he rarely fully stands. That's standing bipedally. Dang, that seems so short. Yeah, it does, but then you realize like a six foot tall person is tall to us. I guess. <laughs> you but, know, but, it's like but also four like, six foot tall boys. I, I will say the animatronic head at the uh, Universal is much fifty feet tall. Than that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. So Godzilla versus King Kong, which was made by Toho in 1962, uh, and I didn't want to touch on it because I figured you're going to touch on it later, Kyle. We're going to get into that big um, boy. Yeah. He is 148 feet. In that one, 
glow up. My man's yeah, glow and then, up. <laughs> and then Toho made another King Kong movie in '67, where they made him 66 feet, and it's Mechanic Kong, where it's a robot King Kong from space. Oh, I thought like it was Mechagodzilla. a uh, King Kong who like tells you what's wrong with your car. It's yeah, the filter. It's, We're gonna need to replace the cabin filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm Mechanic Kong, and then like a sitcom intro. <laughs> and then uh, we have we have a 33 feet with the King Kong remake in 76, which is a direct remake of the 1933 one. Sure. It's a yeah. And mm-hmm. then you have King Kong 05 at 25 feet. Yeah. Hmm. Now 25 feet. Kyle, how high was the ceiling between your bedroom and your bathroom? He got he got a fat, I think. <laughs> he could, he, you never know. <laughs> you never you can never be too sure. Thing. So the tallest Kong is actually the Kong Skull Island one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's like twice the size of the Toho one. So that's like three hundred feet. He's, yeah, basically. I will oh, say man. though. The uh, the the amount that I was hyped when Kong was loose in New York, like I was yeah. so stoked to just be like, oh, fuck, yeah, Peter Jackson, give me more New York in the 30s, give me more Dude, Kong fucking But then up. him, like, the, the, the wherewithal to stop and have, like, a romantic ice skating scene where that's just, like, the most yeah. gorgeous piece of, like, visual. It's incredible. So... But- Obviously, there isn't they obvious were, hour to cut out of this movie. But they were knows um, they were filming not to pickups, and that scene was actually on the fly. He was like, "I really like like the look of this ice skating rink right now." It feels really like I quick and, and extra intimate and and impulsive. How do you film this impulsively, though? How are you, you like, be, you, okay, so you, we're just, so impulsively, I'm just going to have Andy Circus in two weeks be in an ice skating rink in Dublin, scooting around in a ping pong suit, and it's going to be beautiful. Like, how well, do you, because that's what I'm saying, he's a tour of genius. He man. comes off of a, a shoot where he is getting in a <laughs> helicopter every hour to go check on his five units about his sword ring movie he's in new york and he gets to sit in one chair that day he's like fuck let's just pop on a crane let's throw on maybe a 50 (laughs) i don't know how that's my thing is like what how do you know what lens you're like i'm thinking an 85 for the shot of him falling off the empire state building as the planes circle him this wasn't filmed digitally no, yeah. Everything, all the effects yeah, this are like was on printed film. onto film. And that's why there's so many 4K remasters of the fight scenes and stuff, because once it's printed on film, you can remaster and remaster, you know? And uh, sometimes on YouTube, I just go and watch like some of the fights, because I think King Kong, in its way, is sort of like just Your the best fighter. elements of pro wrestling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like that's what's exciting about like Kong v. Uh, like, Godzilla. Yeah. is like that idea and it's like i think what sucks is the lore they're building up in that but let's talk about skull, uh, kong skull island for a little bit in that <laughs> one he's a vietnam nivore yeah he's a vietnam nivore uh he eats helicopters and uh eats blackhawks to be specific uh so that one is sort of a reimagining to sort of boost up this monster verse that they just uh that that uh legendary and uh who is it that has king uh, has godzilla 
Like, because it's Legendary's Monster Verse. I think Legendary's got them both. Uh, oh, is it Legendary? Or is it's Legendary with Warner Brothers to make it? I believe, right? Yeah, I Warner think they're Brothers, both. Yeah, I think it has something to do with it. Because like it's a joint deal. Because Legendary was never really part of the whole situation, you know. It's a Spike Lee joint deal. Deal. Spike Lee joint. Yeah. Um. So to restart the MonsterVerse, and so it has like the breadcrumbs of like uh, the company called Monarch and all of this other stuff yeah. that like, leads into like what stores and holds Godzilla and the Godzilla movies. So they breadcrumb that, but they also make one of the dopest action adventure movies of all time ever. And oh, it's so good. They- they do the smart thing of not hiring someone who loves King Kong because they already had that. They find somebody who loves video games and they make that point. guy make a movie, Yeah, you know? And it's like uh, the rest of the movies that that guy has been signed on to do, I don't want to talk about him long or even really kind of name him because he sucks. As a but it's all like video game love type stuff. Exactly. Like he directed the trailer for the uh, Avengers video game. He is supposed to be hmm. doing the like Metal Gear Solid movie. Um, Future episode for sure. Oh, I feel yeah, like that sure. has been that was the other first IMDb movie added of like in production. Besides the Thundercats, the Thundercats, <laughs> and yeah, some sort of Metal Gear Solid movie. Uh, and so, and I mean, it's got Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson, Tom uh, Hiddleston, like Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddies, uh, the cast of uh, Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> Oh yeah, the cast is straight out of Compton. It's just like it's got all these people that are about to pop or are currently popping, and it is just like a reimag—the first actual good reimagining of the Kong structure. Which is, hey, I have under false pretenses, I'm going to take you to this island, and there's a reason we're here. Yeah, it's a Jurassic Park sequel. Yeah. And they do it perfectly, and all the fights are awesome, and they use a lot of the creatures that were in Peter Jackson's and in all the other lore, and they built upon it to make toys, and it is very toyetic. And then he gets a little, he gets his little hot dog at the end. Yeah, he gets that hot dog. He gets a little plate of hot uh, dogs, he watches the game. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and... What a so saga. that sort of... And, and that is sort of the saga of where, like, Kong is, like, today, because... The character King Kong himself is public domain. Yeah, so like, send in RKO your pitches, like guys, and your reviews of so, the yeah. podcast. Pitch your uh, pitch, uh, pitch your with a King Kong, Kong movie that we need to make. Ooh, that would actually be fun. Hey, if you guys pitch us a movie in in the comment or in in a review, we will read Anywhere. the movie pitch uh, on the show. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. We start reading people's movie pitches. I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, and to speak on that, um, sort of last thing I want to do is talk about um, if you were given the power Peter Jackson had from like a studio to make the one thing that made you cry and decide this is what you want to do with your life, mm-hmm. what is it you're making? Uh, I can't pull it because it's in my it's heavy in a stack. But Kyle knows my answer. Yeah, I know. I know Spike's answer. Uh, Gotta girl. make that tank girl, bros. What a good choice. Oh man, you make it. You make tank girl. You make it big. You make it loud. You make it stupid. <laughs> um, you make it like a two-hour Adult Swim action thriller. Like it's just pure fucking chaos. Like you said, like approaching it if like to exercise all nerdy impulse, like nerd obsessive impulses would make for a pretty like inaccessible film (laughs) but that's my answer mine is and always will be power rangers um i think like 
my idea of like uh, as a kid i wanted to be a power ranger and then i found out those weren't real and that you could just don't you let that get you down (laughs) and i was like so if you're an actor you can be a power ranger and that was like why i started to do like little kid drama stuff (laughs) and sort of try to be funny and so it was just always like this schlocky like repurposing of a japanese tv show is sort of like the core of me and so it's like that is what i would choose for sure um i i i i don't uh i don't know if i could do it justice um but just because no one ever has and i think it's like such a great story with so many great uh things to impart uh last airbender oh yeah that's a that's a Jacksony thing where you'd have to kind of do a bunch of movies in one movie, yeah. right? They're in one yeah. shoot. It, that's what I was yeah. like. I'm not the person to do it, but that's like the thing from my childhood that I really love that I do wish was done really well by somebody else. But at the same time, I don't need it to be done. But you know, uh, I was saying, look at uh, the new Mortal Kombat trailer and how this is obviously made by somebody who likes the lore and likes the video games. You know, absolutely, yeah. and how like that might be the guy that could obviously is probably put on the table now for an avatar movie but it's probably like this is too young for me yeah if you if sure. you do some bending and look at the tom and jerry movie clearly made by a guy who is obsessed with tom and jerry and obsessed with hotel hijinks and they've found <laughs> the guy who needs to bring this story to the screen and we're finally going to get it in like a week or two on the same platform that just released judas and the black messiah <laughs> God. Yeah, and 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 we'll see which one's better, you know. And only time on the we'll same tell, platform, I have faith that the hotel history will tell <laughs> which was the greater addition to the canon of cinema. <laughs> we'll just see which one we're still talking about in a hundred years. Excuse you know? me, <laughs> Tom. Are you Jerry telling me this Black is Messiah. a hotel for dogs? <laughs> no, it's a hotel for cats and mice. <laughs> it is not, and that's the problem. <laughs> Uh, it's just going to be interesting to watch a movie um, mount the Herculean task of making new uh, hotel hijinks in a world where we are all just dwarfed in the shadow of the sweet life of Zack and Cody. It's the dog. And it's like, <laughs> so like Tom and Jerry, a movie about hotel hijinks is coming to, is going to come out not two weeks after Netflix releases a horrible murder documentary in a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all think they're just sort of like finishing out Chloe Grace Moretz's contract and it's just like they just keep putting her in these like weird movies and like putting her like she was like in a weird alien movie last year and then she was in like a couple of other things and I think they're just like we had you for seven movies so let's just put you in. I liked Greta is pretty Greta is weird. Greta Greta is weird. That's the one where she sticks around like chewing gum. See, mm-hmm. I think, I think, uh, I think they're single-handedly. This movie's going to single-handedly uh, save the uh, hotel industry because it's going to make people remember those hijinks. It's fun, fun. We're going to go. We're all going to want to check in and go yeah. back Joe, and deal oh, with everyone's any. Everyone's going to want to check in and check out, brother. Guys, I'm reading this here. <laughs> Brian Singer directed Tom and Jerry. God directed damn it, Kyle's favorite scenes in Tom and Jerry. Every time. Yeah, he also directed the last Airbender animated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he directed the dave bautista scene in uh blade runner 2049 yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man richard excellent research oh shit the cops <laughs> 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 
What just happened? What just happened? <laughs> well, do we need oh, to hustle on out of here? Sad. Oh, yeah, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, there's smoke. Guys, there's smoke. Okay, we're good oh, now. Oh, boy. Well, okay. Richard has to go put out a fire. Um, um, uh, speaking of, uh, thank you guys for uh, for joining me on this trip down King Kong and to talk about a so great, great movie. Uh, thanks for coming Going to Development to Heaven for once. Yeah, and you know, it, that, this was the beginning of Monster Month, and I had an idea that I just don't think is a full episode um, that was going to fit a little more into our theme, uh, which I teased to you guys a few days ago. Um, so instead of a monster movie, I'm picking a monstrous movie, okay. which is perhaps the worst looking and maybe worst movie ever made, which is 2012's Food Fight. I say oh, that because it has an exclamation oh. point in its title. This is not available anywhere. You have to watch it at 720 on YouTube. Um, so pop it on the YouTube app on your TV or something. It, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I have watched all of like five minutes of this thing so far and oh my fucking God, man. But I've heard Richard made a spike movie. pick and spike made a Richard pick. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> it's the audible of like, it was, we were going to cover a sort of long developing, um, MMA fight, which is an interesting story, but I, I'm worried that only to me. Um, so there might be an MMA fight episode that will come in the distant future. We'll see how things work out. But until then, we're watching Food Fight tomorrow or next week. Yeah, I actually when I used to edit videos for Screen Rant, we did a I, I did a video about uh, about this movie, but I don't remember any of the details. Oh. I think it was literally just saying, "Hey, this exists. Ain't this crazy?" Oh, <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot of weird behind the scenes. It's a nightmare. Well, I'm excited to explore it. Awesome guys. Well, um, oh, Jesus, thank this looks you like to, a PS One uh, game. Is it Tizzy, Tizzy Ma, Tizzy yeah, Mave, Tizzy Mav, Tizzy Mav? Thank you for our awesome music with our names Tizzy in Mav. it. You can find. We used to shout out our own, but you can find us on Instagram at Dev Hell Podcast, um, where I sometimes remember to post and remind people about episodes. So follow us there. Rate, review, subscribe on all the places where you're listening to us, and pitch us your. Uh, new pitch for the public domain King Kong movie from Development Hell Pictures. We'll we'll talk about them if any show up from Big Old Titties Productions. Big old Bye, y'all. Big old big old titties demons. Oh, I'm a small dark group.